This is Archive Atlanta, episode 236, Crematoria. You're listening to Archive Atlanta, a history podcast where each week I'll be sharing a story about the people, places, and events that shape the history of the city of Atlanta. I'm your host, local tour guide, and total history nerd, Victoria Lemos. Hey everyone, happy Friday. So if you've been listening for a while, you know that each Halloween, I team up with my very good friend and fellow podcaster, Liz Clappin, who does Tomb of the View, and we pick a Halloween-ish themed topic to nerd out about. So in the past, we've covered the history of grave robbing, which is super popular. Uh, We talked about Atlanta's H&M Patterson Funeral Home last year. And this week, we are talking about the history of cremation and why Atlanta did not get its first crematorium until the 1980s, which is a century after the rest of the United States. This is a story of race, religion, class, tradition, and you do not want to miss it. All right, so... This would not be Halloween if we did not do an episode with Tomb of the View, a.k.a. Liz. Um, So here we are. And do you remember what we talked about before? It was grave robbing. It was H&M Patterson Funeral Home. Is that, was there a I think that's it. Because I think you did grave robbing two years in a row. Yes, you're right. I cheated. I cheated. But this year, we are going to talk about cremation and crematoria. By the way, the plural of crematorium. Um. So yeah, so let's start with, uh, which I think I always like to start, and I'm fascinated, is like, what is the just even general global history of burning the dead? So we know that the first cremation that we have documented happened like 17,000 years ago. And it happened in a place called Lake Mungo in Australia. And it's interesting because cremation has a long history in other parts of the world and in antiquity, certainly. Um, We know that the Romans practiced cremation right in the center of things. Like you can visit the place where, you know, Julius Caesar was cremated today. And because of its association with antiquity, it's seen by many as being very pagan. This is a pre-Christian tradition. And so because a lot of Christian traditions come from the Judeo-Christian origin, we know that historically Jews did not cremate their dead. And so when Christ is crucified, he is put in a tomb, donated by Joseph Arimathea. And so it becomes very much the Christian tradition that the body must remain intact so that when the second coming arrives, the body can be resurrected. I didn't even think of that. That makes perfect sense. So that's that's why they need to keep the body preserved, I guess. So um, what's the word? Embalming is okay? Because isn't it not it okay? Is. Jews don't embalm, right? Traditionally, no. And embalming is a very, I mean, with the, I mean, I say it's very modern. I mean, obviously the Egyptians practiced a form of embalming, but uh, widespread embalming doesn't really become practiced until after the Civil War here in the United okay. States. But that does not impact or impede this belief of the body being around for the second coming. It doesn't. And interestingly enough, as you're familiar, in a lot of European countries, you basically rent your grave. You don't stay in it forever. And then they dig up your bones and you get put in an ossuary with everybody else. So they play a little fast and loose with this theology (laughs) of the body. Body that's going to be left over. (laughs) Exactly. But overall, yes, there is this longstanding tradition that when you have the rise of Christianity, cremation falls out of practice. Now, that's not to say that other religions, obviously, the entire Indian subcontinent has practiced cremation and continues to. 
But in our Western tradition, which here in the United States, it's mostly this Western tradition, it was considered very pagan. You didn't burn your bodies. That was considered very disrespectful to the dead. And so it takes a really long time for us to come back to this longstanding practice of cremation. And in fact, we don't have a crematorium built in the United States until the year 1876. And it's interesting because the first crematory is started by the this man named Dr. Julius Lemoyne. And he is a doctor. He thinks that cremation is very progressive because it will help to cut down on disease. He, he, he has a lot of theories about why it's practical. And he has a really hard time selling people on this. And he lives in a little town called Washington, Pennsylvania. It's about 45 minutes, an hour outside of Pittsburgh. And he tries to go to the local cemetery, tries to get them to install a crematorium. They are not interested. So finally, he builds it on his own land. And you can actually still visit it. It's still there today. It's a tiny little house. It's two rooms. So it's America's first crematorium is in Washington, Pennsylvania. Washington, Pennsylvania. That's fascinating. And I visit it. It's on the side of a very busy road. You would never suspect it from the outside. But uh, there are two rooms. There was like a waiting room. And then there was the actual retort, which that's what they call the actual cremation chamber. And so the retort basically took up the whole room. It was very big. And then there's the retort with the chimney. And then on the other side, there's like a little viewing waiting room where families could gather. It runs basically through Lemoyne's life. It closes in 1901. But it really is the start of this whole trend in the United States. So it was like he actually got people to use it. Well, the interesting thing is, is that the first person he cremates is actually sort of a disreputable count who is exiled from his home, is dead broke, can't afford his burial. Um, they have to ship his body to Pennsylvania. And so it, it takes some selling. Like to get the first person in the retort was the big challenge. But once people saw that could actually be done, he did have some people who were interested. Um, it was definitely something where certain progressive scientists, things like that, started to buy into the whole idea that it was more sanitary, that it was a more practical way of disposing of the dead. And within about a decade, it starts to catch on in a bigger way. So 1885 is really the year that crematoria start to boom. And so you have two big, well-known crematoria that are built that year. The first is built in Buffalo, New York. The second is built in Middle Village in Queens. So that's Fresh Pond Crematory, which is still there. Um, You've probably seen it. It's featured in a lot of TV shows and movies and things like that. Um, And the thing is that these are enormous. They're very elaborate buildings. They're quite beautiful if you look at them. And they often include columbaria, which are the openings for these little cremated remains to be placed in. So they're very elaborate. And the establishment of these sort of starts to make it more acceptable. So within three years, you also have um, the Chelton Hills Cemetery in Philadelphia opens a crematorium. Um, Hillside Crematorium opens in Cincinnati. So it starts to become a trend. And there start to be these big crematoria built in a lot of major U.S. cities. Still not a huge amount of people being cremated, but enough that there is a business model that people can use. So what kind of started me down this whole path was I went to a talk um, that A.S. Turner and Sons did back in January. They did a little lunch and learn with the DeKalb History Center, and they talked about 
for many years, if you wanted to be cremated in Atlanta, you had to be shipped either to Macon or to Augusta because Atlanta didn't have a crematorium. And when I started to look into it, I, I paid $5 to the secretary of state and I got the list of all the licensed crematoriums in the state. And relatively speaking, there still aren't a ton in Georgia, which I think is really interesting. So I started looking into it. First of all, like who was the first, how did it come to be? And I found this really interesting story of like basically wars against cremation that people did not want a crematorium in Atlanta. And even today, we do not have any actual crematoria inside the city of Atlanta. It's just a really interesting story because the fact is, we don't get our first crematorium in Greater Atlanta until 1985, which is a century after the boom in all of these other major U.S. cities. That, and that's, I mean, I'm older than that. That's bizarre. So what, do we know the first place in Georgia that got one? So as far as I've been able to tell, the first one in Georgia was actually in Macon. And isn't that kind of interesting? Because isn't, you know, I always imagine Atlanta's doing the things first, but do we know why Macon got it first? I don't. And one of the things that interested me about this is that a lot of times you have to get a zoning variance to have a crematorium. Like there's, it, it doesn't fit neatly into any category. So one of the things is, is that a lot of these, there's two ways you end up with a crematorium. Either it's attached to a funeral home, in which case, because of the way it's licensed, you have to have two separate businesses. So with all of these, if you look them up, it'll be something generic, like the evergreen crematorium, and it's attached to a funeral home. The funeral home is licensed separately from the crematorium, even though they're in the same building a lot of times. Or... If it's an independent crematorium, they often end up in industrial areas. So Uh. I think one of the reasons that it might have been easier to get in Macon is because Macon had a lot of that empty industrial area from the railroad. Now, granted, Atlanta did too, but it seems like Atlanta was actively trying to keep it out. So fascinating. So tell, like, when does that fight start? So the earliest I found was 1961. And that proposal was to put a crematorium in Greenwood Cemetery in Atlanta. So looking at this, this was after the point where Greenwood had been acquired by Westview or by the kind of parent company of Westview. I I know that they were never one entity, Um, but there is a proposal to install it. And what I thought was interesting is that you still have a little bit of Candler fallout here. Because the justification they have for not allowing the installation of a crematorium is the exact same reason that Westview was never able to open up their giant funeral home complex. Yeah, that was a whole court case. So that they were using that to bar the crematorium. Exactly. And the actual justification, so it says... The cemetery ruling grew out of a case filed under the Fulton County Commissioners refusing a permit to Joseph L. Schumann and the Arlington Mausoleum Incorporated to create a crematorium on the grounds of Greenwood Cemetery. The court upheld the commissioner's contention that a crematorium was not a burial operation and that the property dedicated to cemetery purposes can be used for no other purpose. So essentially the exact same law that they threw down on Buddy Candler when he tried to put in a funeral home 
it's a cemetery. A cemetery can only be used for burial purposes. Okay, so that's 60, early 60s. 61, yes. Okay. So it's denied. Now, I don't see another peep about crematoria for another decade. And then the next proposal I saw was actually in Stone Mountain. And I don't know exactly where, but it's basically it's only covered in the black press. So I only found articles in the Atlanta Voice. And it says that they are proposing a crematorium on Lucille Avenue, which if you look at Lucille Avenue today, it's mostly residential. It kind of dead ends in a field. I don't know if there maybe used to be more like industrial space there. This is Lucille Avenue in Stone Mountain because there's a Lucille in Westview. Yes. No, this is this is in Stone Mountain. Okay. Okay. This is in Stone Mountain. And they are proposing that they are going to build this crematorium. And it, it these articles are pretty crazy. Um, there is a lot of accusation that this is a racist move that they, you know, they think that black neighborhoods are only good to burn dead white people. And I mean, it's, it's pretty ugly. Um, the black community hires a lawyer to fight against this. Um, and even this, so like one of the articles is actually entitled crematory, a natural racist choice. It's, and about how, you know, the, little black children in the neighborhood are afraid to go outside at night because they're afraid that, you know, there are dead people outside. It, it gets really ugly. Um, there is some very choice language that is used in some of these articles, but it kind of got me thinking about this whole issue where I think there is also, if you look at cremation rates, even today, the estimation is that we are up to about 75% cremation when it comes to white citizens. Even if you look on a national level, the majority of black populations, it never gets above 50%. It's closer to like 35-40%. Again, I think a lot of it has to do with religious reasoning, with religious decisions and backgrounds. So I think that part of this was not wanting it in their neighborhood. There's a lot of nimbyism on both sides with the idea of crematoria. But also I think a lot of it had to do with the deeply ingrained church culture that upheld the value of burial, that upheld the value of Christian resurrection, all of these things. So it becomes quite tense in a lot of these situations. Either way, it was never built. We know that it was never built, but it, it just goes away. So I don't know if the threat of hiring a lawyer, I don't know if they found someplace else, but either way, there is no crematory built. It just disappears from the press from what I can see. Wow. I mean, like you're saying, it's so accurate. It's such a multi-layered issue, right? Because yes, do we do we historically put manufacturing and industry right next to Blacks' neighborhoods? Of course we do, you know? like, But there's, like you said, there is also a cultural and religious layer to this where there's also just, it's not, I'm putting a factory back there. It's like, we're going to burn dead people back there. So it's, it's a heightened thing. Now, of course, the interesting thing is, is that ironically, when we finally do get our first crematoria, it is in Stone Mountain. Really? Yes. So in 1985, it is actually in Stone Mountain and um, Wages and Sons, which still operates. The crematory is still there. They are located at 1040 Main Street, right in downtown Stone Mountain. It is a funeral home and crematory next to each other. They very much get it on a technicality. At the time, Bill Wages opens up his crematoria. He gets a permit for it. 
in January, and he operates for four months. Cremating bodies, nobody says a word. And then they find out that he was issued this permit in error because technically that is not a permitted use for that property. Oh my God. So at that point, he has to go before the commission and he has to get a zoning variance to allow for him to actually operate this crematorium. But he actually was able to strengthen his argument by saying, hey, it operated for four months and nobody had any idea. Because there's this big perception like, oh, it's going to smell, it's going to be disgusting, it's unsanitary. And then he goes, did any of you even know that this crematorium was here? Nope, you didn't know. It's fine. So he's successful, but this is certainly not the end of the war. Because what we see is that that same year, H.M. Patterson and Sons is refused a permit to install a crematorium. The oldest, most prestigious. The Cadillac of funeral homes. (laughs) can't have a crematorium that's fascinating now interestingly enough they did not plan on installing it at the spring hill mortuary so they had planned on installing it um on their other location which is out on peachtree road so it was at that it was going to be at that location refused a permit and when i say that hundreds of people are coming out to these public meetings to protest it i'm not kidding this was a, a there's a battle back and forth in the newspapers um similarly around the same time the Allen Mortuary, man, they wanted to start cremating people, but they did not have any luck. So the Allen Mortuary in 1988 is denied twice. First in Shambly, where again on Peachtree Road, um, 5571 Peachtree Road, still there. It's in a industrial park, very nondescript, like cinder block building. They proposed it there. And again, people are complaining that there's going to be smells, that it's, it's an unattractive thing to have in your neighborhood. Turned down, again, turned down in Atlanta. So he proposes to put one in an old Fourth Ward on Dallas Street. Um, Today, it's condos, very appropriate for Atlanta. Um, But he has also turned down there. So he has multiple petitions going, one in Fulton County, one DeKalb County, you know, in different locations. People don't want these. And you, again, there are editorials going back and forth, people talking about why it's going to bring the neighborhood down. So the, this is not just we're, we're talking about white people are also fighting it and not even religious for religious reasons. Just we don't want that to live next to that. That's part of it. But there is also in every single article they trot out a minister and they they say, you know, why this is immoral, why we don't want this. And that's the second part of this, because you also at this time, if you are looking in the 1980s at these articles, you can read a lot of basic feedback um, from folks who are trying to talk about like why cremation is on the rise, what the attraction of cremation is, who is seeking it out. And there's definitely, I don't know, like, so it's interesting. Here's a quote from Bill Wages, the one who opened the first uh, crematorium. So many people have moved here over the past 10 years from other parts of the country, like California and the Northwestern states where cremation rate is much higher. About 75% of the cremations that we do are those not originally from Georgia. Wow, that's so weird. And, you know, they are acknowledging this, that they are trying to serve a different purpose. And then this is the counter argument. Quote, I don't believe it to be a Christian practice, said the Reverend Bill Pinnell, pastor of Forest Hills Baptist Church in Decatur. Burial of the body is the act of waiting for the Lord to come again and bring forth the body in the resurrection out of the earth. The Reverend Pennell said, 
It's very clear. It's all in the Bible. So does does public opinion change since the 80s? So it's interesting. So we know that since the 1970s, there has been a massive shift. And a lot of this does have to do with changing attitudes about cremation. So, for example, the Catholic Church switching their opinion on cremation, which happens in the late 60s. Now, they are very adamant, if you are cremated, your ashes all need to be in the same place. You can't be scattered at Disney World or out at sea or anything like that. you got to be in an urn, tucked away, whether it's in the ground, whether it's someplace. You know, they are pretty adamant about that. But I think that environmental sustainability is a huge push. I think that rising burial costs are a huge push because I even saw a number of articles when I was doing this research about how in the African-American community, the pressures brought by the pandemic actually caused a slight increase within cremation and the black community because of necessity, because of the urgency, the cost. I think that today people see in-ground burial as having too high a cost not just financially, but also the casket, the chemicals, all of that. I I think that cremation, while certainly not the greenest option in terms of fuel and carbon footprint, people still see it as much more sustainable than full body burial. And we have seen something like a 75-80% increase in cremations overall since the 1970s. So it's not just in the South. It it is an overall shift in American attitudes towards death. I think that people are interested in putting their money in other places. What I do think is interesting about Atlanta, though, is that I, I don't think it was just all of these folks moving from other parts of the country. And I say this as somebody who generally focuses on cemeteries. So if you start looking at Atlanta, there are actually a lot of cremation gardens. There are a lot of columbaria around the city, most of which started to be established in the 1970s. So before there was a crematorium in Atlanta, when you still had to be shipped to another city to get cremated. Oh, so so you could get cremated somewhere else, but Atlanta had places to, to store those ashes, even though you couldn't be cremated here. Yes. Okay. And the majority of these are installed by churches, which have been around for decades. Some of the biggest churches in Atlanta. So, for example, the Cathedral of St. Philip in Buckhead. They have a beautiful cremation garden. There are 13 churches which establish either scattering gardens or cremation spaces. The majority of them are either in Midtown, the big churches along Peachtree and Midtown, or they're in Buckhead. Not all of those people are from California and the Pacific Northwest. They're not. So I think that there was a demand for it. There was starting to be a shift in ideology. And the fact that you have not one, not two, but 13 of these established starting in the 70s before you could even get cremated in Atlanta leads me to believe that there was some of this beginning, even before the option was fully there. And many of them are still active today and they are sustainable. So a lot of them, if it is a garden where you bury ashes, you get buried in a like a biodegradable container. So the ashes are buried and then eventually the container will go away and it mixes with the soil and then you can reuse it. So these are a very affordable option because you can essentially use them forever. That's fascinating. So how many crematoria exist in Atlanta today? You're saying still just one? No, we have more than that. So in the metro region, the 12-county metro region, we have 46. 
and it ranges. Um, so you in Cobb County have the most. Cobb really? County has 12 crematoria. We have a uh, lot of Yankees over here. <laughs> well, no, and it's interesting because there's another article that I read. Um, over the past decade, many of the upwardly mobile, well-educated transplants have caused a significant increase in cremations. In affluent Gwinnett and Cobb counties, the increase in the percentage of cremations was striking, from 2.8% in 1979 to 11.2% in 1988 in Gwinnett, and from 4.6% to 10.3% in Cobb. So this is this is in the late 80s. But um, not surprisingly, today, guess what? The two counties that still have the most crematoria are Cobb and Gwinnett. Really? The least in the uh, in the 12 county metro region are Clayton and Douglas which both just have one crematorium piece. If you look at demographics and races and ethnicities like that is really fascinating. No, and that was why I was really glad that I pulled the statistical data that the Secretary of State has cuz the Secretary of State tracks all of this stuff. It's not that we have none. It's just interesting the way that they're distributed. So, for example, DeKalb, where all of this started and where they tried to start a lot of these crematoria, guess what? There's still only two in all of DeKalb County. So Wages and Sons, which is the first, and then A.S. Turner and Sons, which they're in Decatur, and they're the ones that kind of started me down this whole rabbit hole. Well, that's so interesting. So it works in its favor. I mean, we've got about 5 million people in the the metro area. It's not that you can't get cremated, because you can. Um... It's just that statistically, compared to other places, we still have far fewer. Is there data on that? Is there data in the metro Atlanta population how many people get cremated over traditional burial? The problem with this is the most recent statistics you see, they're very heavily skewed by COVID. Oh, yeah. But okay. from what I can see, you know, we are, it is definitely growing in popularity. I think that we are catching up with other rates. Um, A lot of it is tracked by demographics versus metro area. I mean, the highest percentages I saw like racially were the 75-45% that I already quoted, but that was from like New York City. It's still estimated that in certain parts of the South, like black cremation rates are below 15%. And it's one of those interesting things that even talking to some of my coworkers, you know, obviously being the cemetery person, people talk to me about burial options and things like that. That th- there is a very strong stigma if you are even considering cremation among certain populations. So they don't even want to share it with their family. Mm-hmm. Wow. I think it's an interesting topic, and it's one that nobody is talking about. The fact that Atlanta is a century behind the rest of the United States when it comes to cremation. And like I said, I think that we've caught up at this point. Um, I know we have a Neptune Society which, you know, they are known for the quick and easy, cheap cremations. Um, It was a very big thing that started in the 70s. So, I mean, Atlanta has certainly caught on. And we, like I said, we have these columbaria, we have scattering gardens. I don't think it's as taboo as it once was. Are we cremating uh, indigent deaths here? We are not. Oh, fascinating. Do other so cities... That, that's another excellent point, um, that we are one of the few major metro areas that does not cremate our indigent dead. We still do full body burials. So for Fulton County, we bury our indigent dead down in Palmetto. And it has shifted over time. For a long time, we buried them here in the city. Uh, and we buried them at Crestlawn. So the indigent dead for decades 
were buried at Crest Lawn. Well, it was split. It was Crest Lawn for white people and Lincoln, I think, had the contract for the yes. for black indigent debt. Okay. I think I remember reading that. And now are both races buried together in Palmetto? Yes. Okay. Um, and they there was an interim cemetery that was only used for a couple of years in Forest Park, I believe. Uh, and essentially it's whoever has the lowest bid. So it's put out to bid by the county. But in Palmetto, it's not part of a cemetery, right? Is it just No, land? it is. Oh, it is. Okay, I thought it was just land not connected to a cemetery. No, it, it is. Um, and and I can't remember what the name of the cemetery. It's like Hillside Memorial Gardens. It's a very nondescript, very flat cemetery. Uh, and you can tell where the indigent burials are because when you pull in, they're up towards the front and it's just a muddy patch of earth. If you are interested, um, we bury our indigent dead in Fulton County on Tuesdays and Thursdays. You can go out. The minister for Fulton County says a memorial service for whoever is getting buried that particular week. But uh, it's interesting that we continue to do this one. It is far cheaper to cremate. And that's why most cities do that. That is really interesting. I feel like the story is still ongoing. It is. And it's interesting because I remember reading that Houston had held out for a long time because they had major concerns that there may be indigent dead who, for whatever reason, their religion did not believe in cremation. They have since altered that. And it's like, unless there is something there that indicates that they would not be open to cremate, or if they don't know, then they will do full body burial. But other than that, they will cremate. Um, but most other cities, Seattle, Los Angeles, all of them, cremate and most of them hold the ashes for a number of years in like a central office or location. So that way if the family does come to claim their engine dead they can and then i think every three years they do an interment service where there's a mass burial where they bury them at one of the city cemeteries well this is fascinating liz is there anything i feel like that i that we missed that you have on your paper bag notes cut we've covered the majority i just think it's uh it's one of those things, again, I think that nobody really talks about. I'm, re I'm really grateful that A.S. Turner and Sons did that that talk yeah. on the history of funerals in Atlanta because I mean, it uh, it brought it into pretty sharp perspective. And I have to wonder, as Atlanta continues to grow and as we become more multicultural, you know, obviously, if you have a large Indian population, they practice cremation. That That's what they do. So that by having this as an option after burial, not only is it more affordable, not only is it more ecologically friendly, it can also serve a water population. We'll share your podcast stuff and where people can find you, even though I'm going to put it all in the show notes. <laughs> so you can find me wherever you listen to podcasts, Tomb of the View podcast, Tomb of the View podcast on both Facebook and Instagram for lots of fun tidbits. Uh, and if you need to get a hold of me for any reason, Tomb of the View podcast at Gmail. We got it. So Halloween 2023 episode wrap. And we... And we'll have absolutely. And and it's more history than spooky, but, you know, a little bit spooky. Just That's what bit. I tell people all the time. I'm like, what do we joke all the time, right? This, that the facts or the real stuff is, is way more interesting than like a ghost story, you know? Let's talk about, let's talk about burning the dead. I think that's way more interesting. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, happy Halloween, everyone. 
So there you have it, the story of Atlanta's crematoria. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Remember to leave a rating and or a review. You can also visit the Patreon link in the show notes if you want to support the podcast. I also have Liz's podcast information in the show notes if you want to check that out. Hope everyone has a great weekend, and I'll talk to you next week.